Hi, Cooper. Hey, Zach. It's me, Cooper. You sound a little bit different. I know, man. I know. I'm across the country right now. Wow. Uh, So last week, we announced that it was our last intro in the studio, in our studio. And now we're obviously not. We're obviously not in the studio. We're talking over each other. We can't fake it anymore. We can't. We can't fake it anymore, Zach. (laughs) So chemistry is all in in just an array. Where where are you at? What are you doing? I am at Kanika Camps, KKY, the family camp. I mean, praise God, I've literally been here since May 11th. Yeah. And we have had no cases of COVID or anything like that. We've been safe, social distancing. I have my buff on. I literally have to wear it within six feet of pretty much any human being. Right. And it has been the best summer and that I've ever had. As he mentioned earlier, we have been faking it. We recorded as many episode intros as our throats could bear before he left. I mean, and we've just been mm, using them. Mm. But I, I miss you. I miss your tender embrace, Zach. <laughs> Well, we couldn't do that if we were in the same place anyway, because COVID, you're right. We would you know, social distance. Absolutely. We're definitely social distance now, but, uh, just to get into it, I'm, I'm happy. It's two days after the greatest day of the year, the 4th of July, 4th of July. And mm-hmm. you have a little story to tell, uh, your stomach's a little bit rumbly from the fourth. Just, uh, just tell us what happened. Yes, Zach. So 4th of July, Canica camps. I mean, it's no secret. They do it big. Yeah. And we were watching this ginormous firework display while socially distanced and having our masks on. And after Canica tradition, yeah, bomb pops. I love it. All the kids go crazy for them. You just hear chants of bomb pots ringing throughout the lower fields. Just like freedom rings. And exactly. <laughs> Two things ring on uh, 4th of July. Freedom and the, uh, the sound of bomb pop chanting. <laughs> But anyways, we were walking from the lower fields, and uh, uh, I'm on leadership here, so I get to have the privilege of handing out some bomb pops. It's the best. Which, with that privilege, comes the responsibility of keeping the boxes after everyone's got one. Of course. And one of our directors here, uh, she was saying that one year when she worked at K-Country as a staff member, she had 10 bomb pops that year. Which is unreal. That's a lot of bomb pops. She had it in one day, that 4th of July. Like breakfast bomb pop every like every Mm. every meal she had a bomb pop or two in between and i looked her in the eyes and i said i will go pop for pop with you right now (laughs) and she said all right i'm in so you all didn't start at breakfast this is just late night after the fireworks show yes this is one sitting roughly starting about 9 30 ish wow irresponsibly late i'd like to add yeah simply an irresponsible move and so we both grabbed a box of our bomb pops and stood around the track like there was a trash can by us and i mean we went pop for pop what was your what was your technique so bomb pops are three colors right and these were like obviously red white and blue just to clarify if anybody knows the colors of a filipino audience our that maybe has never had a (laughs) never had a bomb pop before (laughs) never experienced the bomb pop they're red white and blue we want to ship you some. We wish we could, but they'd know. I wish they would. Keep going. Um, but they're red, white, and blue. And I have the color memorized now. The red's on yeah. top, the white's in the middle, the blue's on the bottom. Personally, I think I enjoy the white and the I blue do too. best. It's really good. I, it's like a cool, icy chill mm-hmm. just for your, your flavor. Amen. Your flavor eaters, a.k.a. taste buds is what those are called. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I mean, I was going one bite per color. And I was trying to chew fast and trying to... Like, you know, when you go, like when your mouth's cold or whatever, Yeah, I was like trying to make that sound and 
man, I, uh, it was tough. It was tough. I haven't dropped the number of how many I ate yet, but we'll I want to let you know that, that my director and I, I did some math okay. and the amount of sugar that we consumed was 50 sugar packets. Like, you know, those packets you put in sweet in like unsweet tea to make it actually oh. drinkable. Oh man. 50 of those is the amount of sugar that we consumed. That's Almost probably over 75 pixie sticks. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to brag, but that's a lot of pixie sticks, man. Okay. Before we roughly, say the number of how many bomb a liter of water, a liter of wow. water or, or bomb top pop juice was flowing in my stomach. And I, it's I, probably still in your bloodstream right now. I mean, I'm jazzed. That's, I've been jazzed for the past 24 hours. You actually haven't slept since. Yes. I'm hyped up on freedom and bomb pops. That's dang right, baby. Hey, but so first of all, did you win? So we respectfully decided to resign at the same number. Wow. So she met we were, you. She yeah, met you. She, met me. she is, she is shorter and smaller than I as well. Wow. She was struggling with a K by the end, I will say. <laughs> but I mean, my heart goes out to Lindsay Sloan for, uh, wow. for the absolutely stellar performance. A beast. What? Okay. Yes. What is it? How many do y'all get down? 20 bomb pops. You're kidding me. 20 bomb. I mean, I don't know if you guys can comprehend. That is so much bomb pop. That is so much, but that is so much freedom. I mean, I have no regrets. Honestly, that is I a reason too. why I love this country. Cause if I you, man, I don't I like Zoom. Eat. I don't either, man, but I want to eat 25 next year. I want to keep going, man. Wow. I think I have more than ta- more gas in the tank. When you reached the end, did you have more or were you done? Uh, so I had, I was very full. Then I went to the bathroom and peed and then I had a lot. I felt like I could have pounded about four to five more. Wow. But I just wanted to respect my competition. I mean, she put up a very good fight. So I thought yeah. we'd both bow out at 20. Shout out Lindsay Sloan. I remember my days working at camp. I would have campers that would put down at least 14 to 15 because they just keep coming up to the boxes. And these kids are like six to 12 year olds. Yes. And putting down 14 to 15 bomb pops. They come up to me and their face is purple and it's not because they're freezing. It's because there's red and blue mixed together all over their lips. And they, they're like, Zach, I slurped 15 bomb pops. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. So I commend you greatly. Thank you. We had medics standing by and it was all done safely. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, it was an interesting ride for sure. There were some ups, there were some downs, there were some cold moments, there were some moments of excitement. I mean, it was really a roller coaster ride. Well, you made it through and uh, freedom is still ringing in this country. That's absolutely right. You know what else is ringing, Zach? Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Funderberg. Here's my co-host from far away, Coop E. McCooperson. It's me. Can you hear me, Zach? (laughs) I'm far away. He's back. And and something new today. Coop, you got yourself a little interview, a little sit-down time with someone at your camp that you're working for someone who yes. tell us a little about it. Absolutely. So at Canacuck, I am working at the family camp. And so I had the privilege of getting to sit down um, with some parents full on family units. there, enjoying the Canacuck lifestyle. And so it was an absolute blast. I got to sit down with the Dr. Sean Stover. You've probably never heard of him. I didn't even know he was a doctor until the end. Wow. I was like looking at uh, the end of my research for him. I was like doing a little Googling on him after I talked to him. Um, but he has the privilege of working pretty closely with the Cathy's who are 
the heads of Chick-fil-A and got to sit with him and talk with him as he kind of helps them in their management of resources and things like that and how they give and donate to the community and help with that. He helps run their leadership camp, uh, win star camps and has really done an awesome job of kind of being just a big help to the Kathy family. And he, I mean, he goes on and on about how much of a blessing they've been in his life, but it was awesome to get to sit down and talk nice. with him. And the cool thing about family camp is, I literally met his whole family and I can test that they're all studs and they're all um, walking with the Lord and truly, man, just like a great solid family. You look at him, you're like, I want that one day. Like he loves his kids. Well, his wife is awesome. He loves her well. And so he's someone that I get excited to sit down and listen to as he shares about leadership. He talks about managing the three most important resources that a leader has. I don't want to give those away. Um, but he, he kind of talks about what the, the leader's greatest asset is. And man, it's awesome. It's an awesome interview. We're sitting down just in our, camp chapel on wow. a voice memos on my iphone because that's and all you i just have. emailed so, it to me and we're gonna put it together. i know i know we're uh, we're doing it the backwoods way but man it was just too good of some knowledge nuggets to uh, keep off the podcast so we just had to send it i love it thanks for working hard and getting that done dude i'm excited dude, to hear from my, him it's my pleasure man me too so here it is mr sean sorry wow dr sean silver gotta get it right Awesome. Well, I'm here with Sean Stover, Dr. Sean Stover, that is. I was doing some research and found that you got your doctorate, so that's awesome. But thank you for being here. would love for you to just kind of explain who you are, how you got to where you are in leadership, and kind of what that path was like for you. You bet, Cooper. Absolutely. Yeah, I am a doctor. Uh, my my kid, uh, youngest, was in school, about elementary school, somewhere around first grade, and the teacher said that he was commenting on another kid whose dad was a doctor, and he said, that's really cool. And the teacher said, well, well your dad's a doctor, too. And he that's was like, hilarious. my kid was like, well, not the kind that does you any good, because I'm just a psychologist. So gotcha. I don't get to prescribe any medicine or really heal them when they're sick, that's so hilarious. they don't give me much credit for it. Gotcha. But, uh, no, but I did get my PhD because I really wanted to try to figure out how to help people and what yeah. made people tick and uh, kind of how to come alongside folks at different points in their life and, and make a difference. And uh, it, as a result of that, man, my life course has taken me to some some really cool places. And uh, now I work primarily for the Kathy family. They mm -hmm. own Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And I help them with the ministries that they have and the other nonprofits and ministries that they come alongside and try to invest in. Um, I also help them with their family business, which is, um, I take no credit for whatsoever. Yeah. I just help with the relationship side right. of what they're doing as they try to transition the business from a founding generation to generation two that's running the business now to generation three, which is a lot of grandkids, but they're all in their thirties now and trying yeah. to find their way. And so a lot of my role is in leadership is helping them figure out how to use their gifts and talents in, awesome. in a big business. Yeah. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you again for being on. We're super excited to have you. Um, just kind of would love to hear your thoughts on just as your time in leadership and getting to sit under some great leaders like the Cathy's and others as well. Like what are some areas that you've seen specifically with like stewardship? Like as a leader, we have a lot that we are in charge of, I guess you could say, but what would you say are the most kind of important areas to steward well, like as your leader and what does that really look like? Yeah, absolutely. I, I have been blessed, man. I've been under some great leaders. When I became a, a Christian, uh, I was living in Denton, Texas, going okay. to the University of North Texas. Yeah. And there was a pastor there named Tommy Nelson yep. who just really taught the Bible very clearly and distinctly. And I got to sit under his leadership and see how biblical principles really spoke to leadership. Um, 
And then, uh, yeah, you talked about my, my work with Chick-fil-A, you know, getting to move over there and be with them. Truett Cathy was the founder of Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. He passed away a few years ago, like 93 years of age. But It's a good run. Yeah, he, he had a good run and did a good job. That's awesome. Uh, with his business. He was, he was a great man. The first time I met him, I was excited. He was coming up to the retreat center that I was running for him in the marriage ministry, but I was new in the position. He comes driving up for this dedication dinner and I go out to meet him in the parking lot. And, uh, I was like 32 years yeah. old. He, uh, he tosses me the keys to his car and he says, Hey, look, son, can you gas my car up? Cause I got to leave right after this dinner and, uh, not at all knowing who I was, right. you know, right. so I'm in his car driving to gas his car up. And I, I call my dad. I'm like, dad, I've really made it. I'm not I'm driving to Kathy's car, fill it with gas. Right. So, but I got, I ended up having a great relationship with yeah. him and he taught me a lot. And, uh, one of the leadership principles that I learned from him that I hold on to to this day that I think really helped build Chick-fil-A to the point that it is, is he always looked at three areas. You asked yeah. him, you know, what do you have to steward as a leader? And, and Truett taught me, you look at three areas. You, you look at, um, stewarding the resources you've been given. So whatever it is financially you have or whatever you sell and whatever income you have, whatever revenue your, you, your company produces, you've got to steward that well. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing is he said, you got to take care of your people. He said that your people are your greatest asset and you invest in your people so that they can then do the work that they're called to. And then the third thing he said was really, um, you have a mission. Every company, every organization, every nonprofit, every person has a mission. And you have to know what that mission is, understand it clearly, and pursue that daily in yeah. everything you do. But he taught me those three areas, and I call it RPM, uh, you know, your resources, your people, and your mission. Because I don't know if you've ever been in your car and you're looking, there's this little gauge on there that says yeah. RPMs. And yeah. we don't pay much attention to it because it For doesn't sure. tell us if we're running out of gas or if right. we need to change the oil. Probably a good portion of people don't even know what don't it is. Don't even know what it is. There. Right. It's, just, exactly. it's the other dial to make the car look important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the only thing significant about that RPM thing is when it gets off the tracks, like when your engine isn't performing, mm -hmm. that gauge gets way out of whack. Yeah. And uh, it actually will shut your engine down eventually in some of the newer cars. So I think about RPM when I'm leading because I'm like, all right, so this is what I've got to be paying attention to. Are, yeah. are we stewarding our resources, taking care of our people and accomplishing our mission? And uh, if we do, and they, they compete. Sometimes you have to use resources to invest in people and other, and other people in your organization yeah. will say, no, 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 don't invest in that. We need to buy more. We need to produce more. We need to create more stores. We need to, and, and you know, Truett was just really great at saying, no, you know, sometimes we just got to take our resources, invest in our own people. Yeah. And uh, that'll produce dividends down the road, but you never take your eye off the mission that's before you. And like I said, I apply that to Chick-fil-A's world, but the reality is it applies anywhere, even yeah. even in leading your own life, you know, as a, sure. as a 20 something and maybe you're not the leader of an organization or anything yet. Right. Those three areas are important for you individually. You know, am I, I I'm getting some resources? Am yeah. I am I going into debt? Am I putting myself in a place that I'm not going to be able to bounce back from if I decide to get married later on or start a family or yeah. so am I stewarding the resources well? In the P, am I taking care of myself? Am I am I learning? Am I growing? Am I getting around people who are sowing into me? And then even now, at whatever age you're at, you have a mission. God yeah. has something that He wants you to accomplish. Are you accomplishing that mission? So that RPM applies in a lot of different places for leaders. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the way you take it, not just from like Chick Fil A or other companies like that, but it is true. It it really does scale down to the individual. So yeah, like I love person. that. Yeah, absolutely. So as you like in your experience. 
there's kind of three main areas that you've just talked about. How do you know, you kind of talked about some, some leaders will say, we need to make sure resources are most important and we don't want to waste them on our people or things yeah. like that. Kind of how does that balance look like? Cause it doesn't sound like there's a, I guess, right answer, but how do you kind of find that? Yeah. That's why in bigger companies, you actually have individuals that are in charge. And so you got a CFO, your chief financial officer, and they're always looking at the resources. Then you got this human resources person and they're always looking at the people. And then you've got these other folks in your organization, the CEO, who's always yeah. looking at the mission and they have to have good communication right. to say, what do we need at this point in our organization? Um, but I would tell you, if I boiled it all down, man, the, the people part is what really distinguishes great leaders from good leaders. Yeah. The, the ones that understand the need to invest in, in your people. The first great leader that I ever got to see, I was blessed, was my dad. And yeah. he, was, he was an outstanding leader, um, started in a commercial construction business, really low on the totem pole and worked his way up to president, built a lot of the buildings in downtown Houston. Wow. And he used to take me with him on the jobs and I would watch him like Saturday mornings usually was when I would go with him, wasn't in school. And, and so we'd be walking around and he would talk to each of the people on the job and whether it was a carpenter or some kind of laborer and, and he knew something about him. Like he'd, he'd be like, Hey, did you catch Cowboys game last week? You think yeah. they're going to win? I'm like, and, Cause that guy liked the Cowboys or the next guy he would, and he just knew something personally about everybody that was there and he connected with them that way. And it always just struck me. I was like, yeah. wow, how do you, he's like, this is my job. My job is to get to know these guys and invest in them because I'm not out here swinging a hammer. I'm not the right. one pouring the concrete. I'm relying on these guys, but the more they feel known and cared about, the better job they're going to do for our organization. So I watched that in my dad. And then I just saw it play out over the years um, in different places. I, I mean, think about it for a second. Try to picture who you would say, you know, at this point in your life, maybe a great leader that you had somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Now that person you have in your mind, rate them on a scale of one to 10 with one being uh, not at all invested in me and 10 really cared about my well-being invested in me. What number would you give that person in your mind? Uh, I would say like high, like nine to 10. I yeah. feel like that, the, the greatest leaders that come to mind are the people yeah. that had a specific impact on me. Yeah. And you could probably think about somebody that led you somewhere that maybe you didn't respect as much or wasn't yeah. as good a leader, right? And you right. would give them a number more like two or three yeah. on that scale, right? Yeah. And that's how it is. When we're when we have people leading us, we want them to invest in us. And the best leaders get that. Um, there's a guy named Don Clifton that kind of pioneered this area called strength psychology. Mm -hmm. And uh, he studied managers across the country to see which ones were great managers. And he found that great managers were the ones that got to know the, got to know the unique strengths of the people they were leading, and then found ways for them to utilize those strengths. Yeah. And uh, good managers would take somebody and try to get them to do things or learn things that were outside of their natural gifting. Yeah. And we see that a lot in the business world in the ministry world we're kind of like you got to learn to do everything you got to yeah. be a jack of all trades and the reality is god didn't gift us all yeah. to do everything he gifted us in specific ways so great leaders identify the unique streaks of the people invest in them care for them and then put them in positions where they can be successful for sure that's awesome it sounds like just what you're saying is good leaders still kind of try to equip their followers and, and the people that are working for them to do an activity, maybe they're not gifted, but they try to set them up for success instead of trying to create better opportunities for that person yeah, in general. Absolutely. There's a story that always stuck with me way before your time and yeah. folks listening probably, but uh, 
uh, Magic Johnson. He was a yeah. point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers. And there was this guy, I lived in Houston. The Houston Rockets drafted this seven foot four guy named Ralph Sampson wow. out of the University of Virginia. Huge what an appropriate guy. name, yeah. Sampson. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. He was massive. And he was great. He was the player of the year in college the year before. But he kind of never, never lived up to those expectations in Houston. About four or five years into the league, he actually did make it to the all-star team and uh, mm-hmm. he was playing the all-star game and Magic Johnson was point guard and uh, so, you know they mixed the teams and he got right. to, they played together. And this guy, Ralph Sampson, scored like 33 points in the all-star game. And afterwards, they were interviewing the point guard, Magic Johnson. They said, how did Sampson do that? Like, how he, he doesn't do that good in the regular yeah. season. He's playing against the best players doing that. And Magic said, well, I studied film on him, and I've watched him play for years. I know exactly where to get him the ball wow. so that he has the greatest chance at success. And I spent the game making sure I got him the ball in those places. Yeah. And uh, that's what a great leader does. He looks at his people, he studies them, invests in them, gets to know them, and then finds the unique spot or the unique place to put them. Um, you see that. You've been yeah. in kind of the camping world. And, you know, there are people that are programs guys with right. a personality for that. And then there are people that are encouragers and with a place for that. And then there are people that are really gifted at small group leadership. And a good camp director figures out, yeah, how do I get those people in the right seats on the bus? For sure. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a, I, I love that story. I feel like that is so easily translated to multiple areas, like in the business world where I might not be 7'4 yeah. on a basketball field, <laughs> but like basketball court, but all of us have different giftings. Kind of through your experience, what is a good process of getting to know the people that you work for? Like you said, your dad was doing it really well and knowing little things about all of the people, but I'm sure there are people listening thinking, man, like I want to do that, but I don't even know where to start. Like what does that look like to begin kind of developing those relationships with people that are working for you and caring for them and valuing them so that you can set them up for success? A great question. And by far the best tool and the cheapest tool that we all have is the ability to listen. And we live in a world where people don't like to listen anymore. Everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to share their opinion or their thought or their voice or get on social media and comment. Uh, We have less and less people out there who just really want to listen. And it's just a matter of a 15-minute conversation a lot of times with a a listening ear to say, hey, help me understand what what, what are you passionate about? What do you enjoy? Where have you been good before? What areas do you thrive in? What brings you energy and joy? And what's a little more draining for you? Just simple questions like that and the ability to listen. The other thing that listening does is it creates a connection with somebody. Mm -hmm. Once somebody feels heard and understood, man, you've, you've created a friendship there or at least a relationship with some trust and some safety that's going to allow you to build on that. Yeah. I mean, there are all kinds of tools and instruments out there. If you're, if you're a leader and you really want to get to know your people, I mean, there's the, I told you about Don Clifton, the strength psychology Mm -hmm. guy, he created a test called strengths finder. Yeah. And you can take that and it gives you kind of a list of your top five strengths and the areas you're really good or wired in out of uh, 34 yeah. that he developed. And so instruments like that are great. You know, personality tests to get to know the people on your team, what makes them some, some of your teammates are, you know, external processors. So you're going to hear a lot right. from them. Some of them are internal processors. And so they're going to keep things inside and you're going to have to draw out what their thought is or what yeah. their opinion is. And knowing that about them, some of them are extroverts and you're going to thrive on energy situations where there's a lot of people around. And some of them are going to get, burned out from that because they're introverted and they need alone time to recharge and just man curiosity is such a powerful tool yeah you know even you think when you're younger you're dating 
Yeah. That's one of the coolest things about dating. You're curious, right? You're right. like, you want to get to know that person. You're curious about them. And then I see people 30 years into marriage and they just, they quit, you know, they're seven years into marriage. Like I already know everything about them and curiosity shuts off. And, uh, man, you don't get to know people when you shut down curiosity, but if you have curiosity and you're willing to listen, you'll go a long way in finding out about the people on your team. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I love, I love what you said earlier about calling people the greatest asset that a leader would have. I love like the terminology and the way that you use that. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's so true. You talk about the importance of putting a leader in a place where they can be set up to use their giftings. Um, but how do you balance setting someone up to perform well in a specific area, but also allowing them to grow. Cause you kind of talked about a good leader will set someone in a situation, whether they're built for it or not and try to equip them. Yeah. So how can we make sure that we're, I guess, furthering the growth of those that we're putting in their comfort zones and allowing them to flourish kind of what's the balance of all of that? Yeah. I think that comfort zone is a good word. We, we talk a lot in circles I run about how there's a, there's a, there's a comfort zone and then there's a stretch zone mm -hmm. and then there's a fear zone. Yeah. If you've ever been around a ropes course, sometimes they talk about that or a challenge course. They're like, look, we, we want you to get out of your comfort zone and we're going to get you into a stretch zone, but we don't want you in that fear zone. If you get mm -hmm. to that, it's, it's too far. And I think that's what God does with us is he's raising us up and maturing us. He kind of takes us out of comfort and stretches us. Yeah. But he's not a God of fear. That's not what he's trying to create. Of course. Us. And it's the same way when we're leading people. It's like, okay, I'm going to put you in a comfortable place because I know you're wired this way, but I'm going to give you responsibility that's a little ahead of maybe what you think you're capable of. Yeah. But I see it in you and I'm going to be here to encourage you along the way. I'm going to give you some accountability. Um, but I want you to stretch and I want you to push yourself because that's the way you're going to get to the next level. Yeah. And if I throw you into something you're not capable of, or I know you're going to fail, I've put you in that fear zone. And at that point I've done neither of us. Right. You kind of shut them down yeah. past the point of what they're able what to do. What they're capable of. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of times, you know, when you're young and developing in a career, you don't even know what you're capable of. And you need a leader to say, Hey, I see this in you. So I'm going to give you a little bit of opportunity going to be hard, but you're going to have to push yourself. But, but man, you'll see the results of that. Yeah. The importance of accompanying, like putting the challenge alongside, like, Hey, I'm here to support you. And I believe in you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, with that, I think something that comes to mind is I, there's the micromanaging aspect where wanting to make sure they're set up and feel seen and heard and valued. But how do you, or in your experience, what have you seen as beneficial and balancing, not micromanaging, over checking in, making sure everything's okay and kind of giving them some room to breathe. How do you gauge that within your people? Yeah. The opposite of that micromanagement is an empowerment model and an empowerment leadership style. And I think that great leaders do that. They empower the people around them. So it's like, I'm not going to check on you every hour or every day. I'm going to give you some clear objectives. And that's the key to being a good empower is you still have to have clear objectives. You say, here's what I need you to do. I need you to, we're ultimately going to get to this goal. Yeah. And you specifically state the goal. And then you say along the way, I need you to check in with me, you know, once a week or depending on, you know, or when we get to this milestone in the project or this mm -hmm. milestone. And uh, that empowers somebody to say, I, you know, I tell my people a lot of time, I'm like, I'm not going to tell you how to get there because there's six roads that will get you there. Right. You find the one that's best, but I will tell you where I need you to get. I need you to get mm -hmm. to here. And uh, I think that's what empowering leadership does. Micromanaging leadership just stifles the growth of the people right. that you're trying to lead. And it creates this control and dependency model yeah. that ultimately means, man, if, if I as the leader kick over tomorrow, there's 
this thing's going to fall apart because I created something that was dependent on me. When in reality, you know, what we're trying to do is create an organization or a system that's going to outlive us because there's going to be other people that can continue to to carry the ball after we're gone. There was a guy named, um, Jim Collins that wrote a book, Good to Great. It was a significant business book for a while. And he looked at uh, great leaders and what they did. And he said that, you know, they had this concept of the mirror and the, and the window. And he said, anytime something went well, um, the good leader or the great leader would kind of look like a window, look out and say, well, these are all the people that pulled that off and accomplished that. And anytime something went poorly, they would not look out the window and say, my people blew it. Yeah. They would look in the mirror and say, man, what did I do? And what could I have done better to help us wow. succeed in this? And, uh, man, we got a lot of blame going around yeah. in our culture, in our country right now. And what we need are people willing to take personal responsibility and say, what do I need to do to make yeah. that better? That's what, that's what great leaders did. And then he went on to say in that book, the other thing that great leaders do is they create an organization that's dependent not on them, but on systems and processes that can sustain themselves over time. Yeah. And, um, we see that a lot in ministry. We see that a lot in business, you know, that people will build something and it's all dependent on this one person and their personality or the force of their will. And then, you know, they retire or they pass away and the company goes away and mm-hmm. there's nothing left to it because they didn't create systems and processes to help it succeed. That's why your people are your greatest asset. Cause if you invest right. in them, they're going to keep it going and there's going to be somebody else mentored and ready to take your place when you move on. Yeah. Absolutely. That's important. That's crazy. I, that's what I was literally writing down notes is the importance of recreating yourself um, and not being afraid of working yourself out of a job. I remember I heard someone say, my youth pastor when I was younger, it's important to work yourself almost out of a job so that when you're gone, it's important that your your absence is not felt. Yeah. Is there anything that you do specifically to make sure that when you do step away one day from your job that mm-hmm. it's running smoothly, almost better, like leaving it better than you found it, yeah. if you will? Absolutely. I'm very intentional because I've been in situations younger in my career where I I did have to transition or move somewhere else. And then it's like, man, how do we find somebody? And we got to do a search and we got to, you know, spend a lot of money right. on a headhunter to find a person to fill that role. And then once they're there, you got to train them and it takes a couple of months to train them up. And so I'm very intentional now to mentor people along the way mm-hmm. so that, I mean, I, have learned at this point in my life, I can't predict, you know, the Bible says in James, who are you to say where you're going to be next year or the year after? And so even when I feel like I'm in a stable position, I think it's important to have people that I'm mentoring and training up in what I do. I mean, like you said, that recreating yourself and uh, part of our role here on earth is to disciple people around us and mentor them. And it's not just to gain a bunch of knowledge so we can hold on to it and look smarter than everybody else. It's so that we can pass that through to the people that are kind of climbing the ladder behind us or beside us. Yeah. And so I try to um, really mentor the folks around me, or at least always have one or two people I'm investing in in the organization that I know that if something happened to me, they'd be able to step into what I'm doing because they're in the know and they have the skills and the, and the training. Yeah, that's great. And that's, again, just going back to the importance of people. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what's who is able to replace you. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, you're talking about kind of picking one or two. Is there a process that you go through of it's important to invest in all of your people for sure, but Mm -hmm. realistically you can't invest the same in every single person that's under you. So is there a process that you do to, to pick who you think should be under you or what does that look like and knowing who to invest more, 
I guess, for lack of a better term, more with and, and less with. Yeah, absolutely. You want, in whatever it is that you're leading, you want everybody that you're leading to feel cared about and that you know who they are mm-hmm. and you're invested in them. But yeah, you'll always have a few that, that rise up that you have to put more energy into. And then again, you're teaching them the models. Like I'm going to invest in these four or five folks knowing that then I'm going to ask them to invest in four or five folks. And so you kind of keep multiplying it out so that there's this consistent feel in the organization that everybody is getting uh, mentored, discipled, led, taught, um, and invested in. Yeah. And so picking those, man, that just depends on the situation. It depends on what's at hand. You know, I, I tend to look for somebody depending on what role I'm in at that time that I know could take that role over if it was necessary. Um, I also just look for potential. Some people were really, man, they were born to, they were born to get things done yeah. and they're the doers and they're servant hearted and, um, man, the, you give them some direction, they're going to make it happen. There are other people who were born to kind of manage those processes and they'll manage a few people and they'll, you tell them what to do and they'll tell the people how to do it. And then there are others that are just born to be leaders. And you'll hear people say, well, everybody was born to be a leader. Mm-hmm. The reality is we are, we all lead something, right. whether we lead ourselves or we lead our family, um, we lead a Bible study. We, yeah. But as far as organizational leaders go, not everybody was right. born for that. So you want to identify that. I mean, I know many, many people who got elevated past their gifting into a leadership role because they were really good at what they were doing. So, yeah. like, well, they must be the leader because they're the best at it. But then they got to be the leader and they were, man, they were anxious and they were burned out and they were trying to, you know, achieve things they weren't capable of because that just wasn't what God had for them. Yeah. And uh, I think, unfortunately, sometimes we we do that. We elevate people beyond where their gifting and talents are. So back to your question about how to identify those. Well, you know, I do want to identify the people that really have that leadership gifting in mm-hmm. them that want to kind of take that next step and, and maybe... Those are the ones I'm pouring into and asking them, watching how they invest in the people that they're leading. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's so important what you just said of just the real fact that maybe doesn't sound nice at first is that not everyone was created to be a leader. And I think that's a profound statement at the point that our, I guess, culture is in today where it's just a yes culture and be who you want to be and like all those things. And you're a leader, you're a leader. And I think, like you said, you're right. Everyone is a leader in some area, but it's okay to know that you weren't created to be a leader of an organization. Yeah. And, and I think that's goes back to what you're saying of investing in people. There's freedom that, that can be walked in once you realize, okay, I don't have to be the leader of an organization. I can just manage my small team or I can do this task really well. Yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the day, that's where fulfillment happens. Right. When, when you're operating in your gifting, no matter what level of the organization that means you end up in, that's where you're going to find fulfillment. That's where you're going to find joy. And that's ultimately where you're going to find peace. And, uh, if you get out of that lane or out of that seat on the bus, can you do it? Probably. Mm -hmm. But is it going to still cause, no, you're going to be more anxious than peaceful. And you're going to be more grouchy than joyful. Yeah. And so, I don't know, we, we have this striving mentality in the West, in American culture, that you always got to get to the next level of the right. next rung up the ladder. The next, and man, there's something to be said for contentment. There's something to be yeah. said for just enjoying the simple pleasures of being a good spouse and raising kids and enjoying the life that we've been given while investing in the people around you, whatever level that ends up taking you to on the yeah. leadership ladder. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's so freeing to hear. Like, yeah. It's okay that not everyone was built to be the same leader of a massive corporation or things like that. Absolutely. Man, you have dropped some big wisdom bombs for <laughs> sure. But we'd love to ask you if there's any other necessary like stories come to mind of great leaders that have really poured into you and blessed you. And if not, that's all right. You've had multiple kind of stories that you share, but I just want to open that. If you have any yeah. other stories you'd like to share. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, there's a ton of stories. There's always stories. I think for me, I would certainly want to say as I'm talking to people that are in your audience, you know, that are learning about leadership, the the most significant place you will ever lead is your own life. Like yeah. you have to lead yourself. And very few people get that. They kind of think, well, I'll just, I'll do me and life will be just no. You need to be intentional. Like, where do you want to get in your life? What does God want for you in your life? What are your gifts? What are your talents? What do you need to do to recharge? Or mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you look like when you're empty and exhausted? And how do you notice that so that you take the time to refuel yourself? That's all a part of leading yourself well. Yeah. Because you need to get healthy because ultimately most people listen probably want to get married someday if they're right. not already. Well, you need to be the healthiest version of you to show up for whoever it is that you get a chance to do family with. And so to be a good spouse, you need to lead yourself well, but then, you know, we're going to have to lead a family, we're right. going to, have to lead a, a marriage. And uh, in those instances, again, leadership is required of us, which means a lot of curiosity and a lot of listening and a lot of caring. Um, I, it saddens me when I see people who have led an organization well and really achieved a ton of success, but they lost their marriage along the way, mm. or they lost their kids along the way, or, you know, their kids would say, yeah, I mean, dad, I know people say he was a great leader. I don't, he, he loved the company. I know that yeah. he kind of was there for me when he could be, but Man. you know, it's like, uh, at the end of the day, you just need to make sure you understand what's most important mm -hmm. and what you're really trying to accomplish in life and um, be satisfied uh, with wherever that takes you. Yeah, absolutely, man. That is awesome. Thank you so much for just taking the time to, to meet with me here, and that means a lot to us, and, and we're thankful for you and, and the leadership that you're walking in and the way that you're leading your family. I've gotten to see that a little bit from getting to know your family, that you're definitely a man who who walks the walk and, and or I guess walks the talk. Like you, you, what you're saying, I've seen you live those things out. So, man, thank you for taking the time to meet with me and um, continuing to invest in everyone that you get to. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, thanks Cooper. It's an honor to get to do it. It's a oh, privilege. Appreciate well, thank you. you. Yes, yeah. sir, absolutely.